All right, it is Monday, first day of June, 2022. Ooh. It felt like what a f- it felt like the first <laughs> day of Hades day of yesterday. It did. It, it was, was like unbelievably hot, humid in Virginia. It's already hot and humid. You know me, I'm a big heat baby. So when it, when it, when it yeah, gets above like seventy six, poor guy from Syracuse. When it gets above seventy six. I'm like, what are we even doing up here? But uh, we have a lot to talk about today. We're talking about reimagining the showroom experience, right? Spent our hand in the dirt. We're also talking about EV charging infrastructure lagging behind actual demand and why the UK is going to try to steal all of our best talent. I don't think we have music today. We don't have music. There's That's no music. Right. There's no music. So. When we roll, we roll with the setup. So we're in a hotel lobby right here. We've just decided. We just stopped caring about what anybody thinks. <laughs> Where we go, there's everybody's walking past us. It's great. The trucks, the really lobby. Really nice spot. Actually, really nice spot. Uh, yeah, the, the, we were, if, if you watched or listened to yesterday's podcast, you know we're hanging out with Liza Myers Borchis, her team. Uh, here Scott at Car- Simons Scott yesterday. Simons. We got, to, him. we got to see him at Carter Myers Automotive. And uh, one of their, the, the COO there recommended this place called The Draftsman. And it's a really unique, like, mix of old and new. So we feel like we're in a little bit of a setting. Uh, so, yeah, hopefully you're experiencing that a little bit with us this morning. All right. To frame this up this morning, um, you know, sometimes we mention Simon Sinek um, because he, he always puts out, like, these little shots every morning in his email. And today's was specifically relevant. It sounds like this. A culture is strong when people work with each other, for each other, and a culture is weak. When people work against each other and for themselves. Yeah. And yesterday, I think we got a, a really great example of what it is when people work for each other, right? And not for themselves. Um, the CMA, Carter Myers Automotive Group, is really a great example of people going in the same direction for the same reason. And, you know, we see this in all different ways all across the industry, right? And it's always yeah. like, well, there's no one way to do it. Yes. But yeah. you know it when you see it. You know what I love is when you get in these organizations and some of the organizations that you and I have gotten to go in over the past year and years, when you start to talk to the teammates and the people uh, around it, you know, you go from like the leadership and then you get down, you get to the teammates that are and, and associates and, and employees. And it's always interesting to kind of hear how the take of the overall vision of the company is just like embedded and almost they sometimes even get more more passionate about the way that the brand is represented on the ground level and when you see that you know there's a strong culture because it's like no i you can't mess with this because this is a part of who i am that's a really great great way to put it you know i almost think of it like a like a great fabric yeah right it's all belongs together but there's definitely different texture as you meet the different people and yesterday i can't tell you how many times um you know, I went up to somebody and they could not wait. They knew I was a visitor. Yes. And they could not wait to tell me about how great the yeah. company is. Or their perspective about the company. Or right? their it story was, it was with the company. Like, yeah, it was kind of like, oh, you're a visitor? Let me tell you the story. Yeah. And that type of excitement, I think, for if, if you're in business and that's the type of excitement that people, instead of just like, oh, hey, how you doing? Why are you here? And this is my like, task that I do. This is my task. It's like, no, let me tell you the story behind why I'm here, what I do, you know, what we do. And like, it wasn't, it's, it's not a facade when that happens. It's just everyone kind of rowing together like the Simon Sinek thing. It's easy to think, you know, I want to caution people against hearing stories about, you know, these organizations that we put on a pedestal, right? right? Because every organization, man, stuff is broke. 
right? In every organization. And so there's no Disneyland when it comes to business, yeah. right? There's great culture, but other things are broken, right? Like in a Sodu, our little growing community, right? Yes. Like people believe in what we're doing. There's are good vibes, but there's also a lot that's broke. Right. Exactly. <laughs> I, I think that's important to point out is that we a lot of times, especially in automotive, we will start to kind of follow or even just in, in general, there's kind of this like influencer nature where it's like, oh, that they just may they just must have it all dialed yeah. in. And How right. can we do what they're doing? Yeah. And, and I think that one thing that you pointed that you've been pointing out is that there's there's like so many different ways to get really good business done. And as long as you're constantly approaching your biz, business with the, the need for innovation, the need for excellence, uh, the necessity to shift and change, then you're doing it right because you're constantly challenging yourself. Um, speaking of, stop, stop, right? Speaking of constantly needing to innovate and change, Honda recently has uh, come out with their newly redesigned uh, showroom concept. And actually it was interesting. We were in the car yesterday talking to Liza about some of the, the plans that they have and the, the franchises that they have. And she mentioned Honda We went to a Honda store. We went to Scott's Hyman's Honda store. Saying like, their new reimagined showroom is smaller, more compact, more like thoughtful on how to deliver an online to offline experience. And then we get online this morning and we're kind of searching <laughs> the interwebs and Jalopnik, you can see the link in the article, has this article about how Honda plans to redesign dealerships. The quote is into modern retail spaces that are basically terminals along the way to EV ownership, not destination and I think that that's really important to think about this modern retail experience, but also that that the that the showroom is not necessarily just the endpoint; that it's a part of the overall journey, right? And I've talked about this a lot: is that designing a retail experience, and not just a retail experience, but a visit experience, a service experience along a journey, and like mapping the overall ebb and flow of the customer journey in and out of your online and offline spaces. And Honda's kind of taking that approach really seriously with, uh, with EVs and with, um, you know, a new generation of, of retail experience for auto. So what, what can a dealer do with this? Um, you know, obviously don't have, unless you're on an advisory council, right? You might not have direct say into what is going to happen, but for sure there is something you can do, right? There is, there are things that you do have control over in your showroom, even if, like you're not up for a refresh, you're not up for a, building a new showroom. Like don't check out of the mindset that when someone walks or drives onto your property, not when they walk in your front door, when they drive onto your property, right? It's just people assume that's where the customer parking is. Oh, they'll see it. It's close to the building. No, actually not. There might be, you know, three salespeople standing, you know, by the main entrance who might make someone like go away from it. Yep. Right. And so there are things already that are happening in your store. And I bet if you spend like an hour, right, watching how people come in to service and sales and interact with your store, you're going to learn right away that like, oh, there are probably a few small improvements we can make yep. in that customer journey. So it's not like an all or nothing thing. Um, yes, large scale design and realizing like designing it from the ground up is important. That's a whole structure and the OEMs have to be involved in all that. But, but yes, don't check out. Exactly. Think about the customer journey from like lot to finish and where are they headed? What are they going through navigating? Is it clear? Is it, is it, you know, are there necessary movements that they need to make yeah. in order for them to feel confident, right? There's this 
I, I was when when I would send salespeople uh, shopping, mm-hmm. it was so funny to hear. And we would do mystery shops, and everybody does it, so yeah. everybody does it. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. But <laughs> um, it was so interesting always to to hear the like the perception of like that. You know, they had just been hired at a dealership or something, and they would get this anxiousness and not really know where and to park. And they know the game. And, and they know, and they at they least know, know some level of the game. And and so think about that customer pulling oh. on your lot. How do they That's feel? That's a great exercise in empathy. It's so good. It's yeah. a great exercise. So don't check out. Pay attention to it because it is the experience. And even if you're an industry partner, right, maybe your front door is your website. Think about how people – now we have a lot more conversation around like – website landing and it's like yeah, you know people absolutely. have full control over that experience as far as like i can go to another tab i can close Ish. the browser I don't, you know i don't want to get into the oem program thing but you no, know oh, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm talking about if you're an industry partner oh yeah yeah, and yeah. you're trying yeah. to get dealers or other people to come into your ecosystem right it's still the front door and there's still a journey involved and if your yes. website doesn't involve taking someone through a journey it's just like here's all my stuff Right. I do this and I do this and I do this and then pow, pow, pow. Right? Like, yes, yes. No, think about it, journey mode. Okay, we're going to move on. So, EV charging stations, uh, Wall Street Journal article this morning saying we're predicting already that the charging infrastructure is going to be lagging behind EV rollout. Big surprise. No way. <laughs> really, Kyle? <laughs> really? I'm really excited about this article because um, it allows us to further uh, necessitate a trigger pad that we have to it's make. Coming. It's coming. <laughs> it's coming. You'll hear it in a second. So um, basically, the, the Biden administration is planning to ha- hand out $7.5 billion across the country to states Goodness. to invest in the EV charging infrastructure. And at, at Surface, that sounds really great. Yes, we need money. Infrastructure is important. It spurs around all kinds of business. Um, there's one problem. That states haven't spent the money they already have over four years ago. Remember the big, remember yep. the VW scandal. Without remember a, that thing. I do remember that. Right. Thing, so it's two point eight billion dollars like settlement um, for environmental to to increase environmental activity because you know the diesel thing and they were polluting the environment more. And they said they were. Right. So we're like, okay, we're going to make you give all this money to make the environment better. Well, um, about four hundred, almost five hundred million of that was handed out to states to build EV charging infrastructure, and at this point. Less than half of the money has been spent wow. four years later. So, wow. like, states just aren't spending the money. I don't know if they're planning. I don't know if they don't know what to do. But the government's about to give another $7.5 billion, And it's like, well, the states need to figure out how to start building and send, spending that. They should hand it to the public sector is what I think. Or the, to the private sector. I was going to say, sorry, I was like, to I the think private that's sector, what's happening. <laughs> right? To the private sector because I think that that would be a, a quicker way because infrastructures are already tough from the public sector perspective. Like, yep. look at the roads in your state, right? Yep. And, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it doesn't matter what state you're in. Everybody's like, yeah, you know? Um, and so I do think that we have to figure out how to get the the public money to the private sector well, and that's a lot the, quicker that's on in the, the states. EV world, right? If you look at the map in the linked article, like some states have done that really well. Yep. Um, and well, some states have done it. At right? least done it. Yes. They've done it. Like Texas, for <laughs> instance, handed out most of their money, and they had an application project. And when the applications opened magically, I bet there was no conversations or previous relationships implied in any of this. But eighty-five percent of the money went right to Shell Corporation. So, so. That's probably not going to cut it either. I'm sure there was no scotch or cigars or, no, no, you know, yeah. cowboy hats sitting no, around no and laughing. No late night drinks or anything like that. Had nothing like to do with any of that. And, um, but here's the thing. Like, convenience store owners were applying for it, right? You think of the ways that people, like, spend a little bit of time and could charge in the fast charging yep. network, especially 
Um, and so, like, this is just this is just an element of infrastructure. I, we can't even say catching up with need because the need's not there. It's, it's a really, not there. It's, it's like, a really weird scenario. It's like chicken and egg a little bit, yep. right? But it also kind of all has to land at the same time in order for it to work. You know, the 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 kind of numbers as they as they fall out is the Biden administration is saying they we need five hundred thousand by chargers by the year twenty thirty. But. A company called McKinsey and Company, who's done a lot of research across like infrastructure needs, is saying that 1.2 million are needed. That's 700,000 chargers it's less short. Less than half. Even if we get to 500,000, we're 700,000 short. Currently, there are only 5,000 fast charging locations in the U.S. A total of 10,000 fast chargers. Because, and if you don't know this about EV technology, you're about to. But a fast charger will charge your battery like to 80 percent. In about 30 minutes, which when you're charging feels still like a really long time. But if you right. don't have a fast charger, right, and which has to do with enough power going to that to you're really. You're talking eight hours yeah, that's to not charge the whole thing. Or you sit there for an hour and you get like 100 miles. Right. Yeah. So obviously we're very far behind or we're going to be very far behind. What can you do right now? Like I think it's a great opportunity to invest in the infrastructure in your dealership and become a spot where people know they can go for a fast charge. Fast charger. Coffee shop. Boom. And it better be good coffee if he's around. It better be good coffee. Or he's going to spit on your fast charger <laughs> on the way by. No, but for real, like this is a great time to like think a little bit more retail mindset yes. with your store. We're talking about how are people welcomed into your property, right? Fast charging stations. Look, you know what it's like when, when you get the you get the reputation for like the fast Wi-Fi. Or yes. like everyone's like, I'm going to that place because they have the. So fast charging stations, we're going to be behind. You already have the infrastructure in place. To get most of the stuff built quickly. Absolutely. So, yeah, um, yeah a little, little retail opportunity. we got one more story. It kind of tags off of something we've been talking about for the last, I mean, probably the last yeah. six months. But we talked about it yesterday. Really yesterday, The yeah. labor shortage, the sandsdemic. There's not enough people. We experienced it last night, right? We had We had dinner with the, the CMA crew, and we're like, you know, we're traveling. We need some ice cream, right? Because <laughs> that's, that's how, how we roll. We, and we're like, oh, this is a cool little ice cream shop. We walked in. There was a line of about 10 people. And then we realized there's one older what? woman scooping ice cream by herself. And I kept waiting for someone to come out to of the come back. come out of the back. I know. I, th- I thought right? so, too. And it was wild because in this area, there was just a ton of restaurants, ton of ton, ton of, of movement, people. ton yeah. of people. And yet in, like, at whatever it was, 8, 7 PM, 8 yeah. o'clock on a Tuesday, one person scooping ice cream. And so, you know, the, it's it's every industry. It's every person. And yep. now the, the most recent news is that the U.K., has created the opportunity for um, college graduates from 20 U.S. schools that they prioritized to give them visas without the need for a job. job. So if you think about like international visas, typically you need a firm job offer from a certain level of corporation in order to get that visa for that, uh, that work visa. But people with uh, graduate and uh, with master's degrees and associate degrees and bachelor's degrees like, can come get on over. two years, and anything PhD can get three years of a visa with only the need to prove that you can like live for one month there. And right. The strategy, right, is like come here, right, meet somebody you love, right, <laughs> find a reason to stay, well, and then work here. It it also says they can bring their families, like they get the whole family gets a visa. So, so. <laughs> So, look, the, the labor shortage is not – it's global, 
Yes. Right. It really is a population thing. It really is a, like a developed country. Like we're going to compete for your talent. Yes. Which just doubles down on the mentality. Like have an amazing place to be, have an yeah. amazing place to work, have an amazing place to attract. It's an attractional labor market right now. It is. And go into the unique spaces that, I mean, literally a country is going to another country to solve labor shortages. What do you have to do to, to solve See, the labor locally. shortages locally? If that's what's happening globally, um, you have to be inventive. You have to create resources and um, a people network to be able to attract that that talent for sure. Yep. Well, there you go. It's going to be another day in the dirt for us, right? We're out going in and hard. out of dealerships, getting our hands in the dirt, figuring out how to make this industry better, how to encourage some people. We hope that you go out and encourage some people, make them understand what it is to be in the industry we're in. Make them understand what it is that we have the opportunity every day to serve one another, to serve other people, and have a lot of fun doing it. Let's go.